0: Well, we're nearing the end of our message series, Living in Light of the End. Last week, we talked about using worldly wealth, using the resources that God has entrusted to us to make forever friends, to, make, uh, to lead people to Jesus. Because once somebody becomes a believer, they're going to live forever in the same place that you and I as believers are going to live. They're going to be forever friends. Making forever friends is not just a task of pastors, it's not just a task of evangelists, it's not just a task of the church as a whole, it's a task of every believer, every disciple of Jesus Christ. But today we're going to move on with a message entitled Heavenly Investments. And what would you think this title was about? It's not about money. (laughs) I don't know, it's probably not the best title. But uh, Jesus did talk a lot about money. God has given us uh, money to be used for the kingdom of God. But today we're going to be talking about investing the totality of our lives for the service of God. Our life, your life, my life, the life of every baby in the womb is a gift from God. It's a precious gift from God. And that life... Every human life is a life that's been made in the image of God. And that's what makes it so valuable. That's what makes it far more valuable than any of the other life forms that God created. The human life has been created in the image of God. And it's a gift of God, whether it's a baby in a mother's womb or whether it's an elderly person approaching their end of life. God is the one who gives life, and God is the only one who should determine when our lives end. And so life is a beautiful thing especially when it's lived walking hand in hand with our creator. And so when God gives us life, we as people have an obligation, have a responsibility to give that life back to him, to give our lives to Jesus Christ as an offering to serve him with our lives, investing our lives. And when we invest our lives in serving God, then nothing is wasted. Nothing at all is wasted. A life invested in living for God is a life that is investing in eternity. And that investment is going to last forever, the Bible tells us. Today we're going to be looking at a passage in 1 Thessalonians, uh, verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But in the last two chapters of 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, God's Word talks a lot about the end. It talks about uh, the the end of times as we know it. Now, we don't know when that's going to happen. The end of time is going to come when Jesus returns again. We don't know when that's going to happen. But we need to live our lives in light of that end. We need to live our lives thinking about what's going to happen at the very end. Now, immediately before the text begins talking about the end of time, we have a couple of verses that give us some principles for how to live our lives in light of the end. I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin if you don't already have it out. Uh, This white page has the verses written out. They'll also be up on the screen as well as the outline of the message. On the flip side of the outline are some study questions and a study guide uh, that many of the life groups use during their time during the week. Our Sunday night group will be going over the study guide tonight. First Thessalonians 4 verse 11 says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. And so what these two verses tell us is that we are to live balanced lives. We are to serve God in wisdom as we live our lives on this earth. God wants us to live lives of work. Work was created by God. It's a, it's a good thing to work. I don't hear any amens. It's a good, it's a good thing to work. Okay? It's a good thing to take care of your own needs and not be dependent on somebody else. God says, as we do that, we make a good impression on outsiders who are outsiders, People outside the church, they're unbelievers. There's insiders and they're outsiders. Uh, People who are believers in Jesus Christ and they're in the church, people who are not. And these are the people we're seeking to make forever friends. So the outsiders become insiders. And so our work is important. Sometimes people think, oh, I just, you know, work because I have to work. Your work is important. Whatever you do, whether you work for a company, whether you work in the home and serve your family, Uh, whether you're retired, whatever you do should be done for the Lord with all your heart. And he takes it as an offering to him. It's a part of our worship of God, our work. It's an investment in heaven. Now, there are two extremes with respect to work. The first extreme is the person who finds all kinds of excuses to do as little work as possible. And some don't work at all. The Bible talks against that. It's being idle. God wants us to work. He wants, he wants to use our time and meaningful service of man and of God. The other extreme is those of us who work too hard. Work, the word isn't in the Bible, but we have a word today for it. It's called a workaholic. It's work, work, work. Morning to night, no time for God, no time for other people, no time for relationships. And that's an extreme too. God wants us to live balanced lives, lives where Every aspect of our lives is kept in proper perspective. We put our families, we put the church, we put our work and our relationships in proper proportion, serving God in each and every aspect of our lives. And as we do that, we are, in effect, laying up treasure in heaven. We are making an investment in eternity today we're going to look at a passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 about the day of the Lord. And it's going to give us more insight into how to live here and now in light of the end. First of all, we need to understand the day of the Lord from the perspective of an unbeliever. Let's begin in verse 1. It says, now, brothers, he's writing to Christians, about times and dates we do not need to write you. And so this passage begins... By saying believers don't know about, don't need to know about the times and dates of the end. Everybody wants to know these things. When is this going to happen? And how long is this going to take? And I think I've got it all figured out. Some denominations back in the 1800s had it all figured out. I forget the date, but it was going to happen. I think 1844 or something. Jesus was going to come back. And guess what? He didn't come back. And they were thrown into all kinds of a tizzy. In recent years, people have tried to pin down, when is Jesus going to come back? And they, they pick a date, and it doesn't happen. Well, we don't need to know about the times and dates concerning the return of the Lord in order to live for God today. Jesus told us that we're not going to be able to figure out when he's going to come back. It's going to be, as we'll see, unexpected. And we shouldn't waste our time. We shouldn't argue with other people about times and dates. We don't need to know that in order to live our lives today. God's not going to answer those questions. In our passage today, God's Word is talking about the day of the Lord. We're going to talk about that. Uh, The day of the Lord is the period of time surrounding the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, We don't know exactly how long that's going to be. So I'm not going to argue with you about it. Uh, It's going to happen. And the day of the Lord is coming. The Bible tells us that day, the day of the Lord, is going to come unexpectedly. It says, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And so for unbelievers, the day of the Lord is going to come, Jesus says, or well, Paul says here, and Jesus said the same thing, like a thief in the night, What are the characteristics of a thief in the night? Do you have to sign out? Welcome, thief. Come into my house. No, a thief in the night comes unexpectedly. You don't know when he's going to come. He comes under the cover of darkness when everybody's sleeping and he tries to sneak in and take something away. He doesn't announce his coming. And so the coming of the day of the Lord is going to be like a thief in the night unexpectedly. You can't put a date and time on when a thief comes and neither can you on the day of the Lord. That day is going to bring destruction. Verse 3 says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. And so at the time of the day of the Lord, unbelievers are going to be talking about peace and safety. They're going to Think their lives are safe. They're going to think their lives are secure. But destruction is going to come quickly. And God compares this destruction to labor pains. I've never felt a labor pain myself, but I've been around for quite a few since we have seven children. So they come on quickly and they intensify rapidly and and they're over pretty shortly, Within usually within less than a day. They come to their conclusion in a short time. And so once Jesus Christ comes in the day of the Lord, God's judgment is released. And there's going to be no escape for the unbeliever from the judgment of God. It's going to be a day of doom, a day of eternal destruction for those who have not believed in Jesus Christ. Recently, a Gallup poll asked people whether they considered it likely that the world would come to an end on Judgment Day in the next century, in the next 100 years. Do you consider it likely that this is going to happen? The vast majority of people said, no, I don't think this is likely at all. Uh, And that is our thinking today. It's probably not going to happen. If it does happen, it's way, way, way off in the future. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen in the next 100 years or not but I do know it is going to happen. Today, people speak of peace and safety. Unbelievers think that somehow mankind will be able to figure things out. Somehow, humanity will find the solution to wars. You'd think in the 21st century, we'd have figured out how to stop killing one another, right? Is it getting better? No. There are still wars. There is still evil. There is still violence. There's still... Radical Islam. People scoff at the idea of the return of Jesus Christ in judgment. They really don't think it's going to happen. It really is today as it was in the days of Noah. The correspondence are striking. No one believed Noah. He was building an ark. It never rained. And he said it was going to rain and it was going to flood. And people laughed at him. And he began building this enormous ark. And Noah preached. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. He warned people the flood is coming. Get ready for the flood. And you can be safe if you come into this ark. Noah, you've lost your marbles. It's never rained. It's not going to rain. We have other things to do than work on building this silly ark everything's fine the world has been going on like this for how many years and it's just going to continue going on its way forever and yet one day the heavens opened the fountains of the deep opened, water everywhere God's destruction came those inside the ark were safe and those outside were all washed away Now, unlike in the days of Noah, God has promised that in this generation, there will be those who heed the warning that the day of the Lord is coming, that Jesus is returning. There will be those that heed that warning. They'll find safety and salvation in Jesus Christ. And so we need to continue to warn those who are not yet believers that the day of the Lord is coming. We don't know when it's going to come, but it will come. And everyone needs to get ready. Now, the day of the Lord will not surprise believers. Verse 4, it says, For you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Again, the thief surprises because he sneaks in unobserved in the darkness and and he steals, he brings destruction. But as believers, we are not of the darkness, we are people of the light. We know that the day of the Lord is coming. And we're getting ready for it, we're preparing ourselves for it. Now, we might be surprised when the actual day happens but it will be a good surprise. It's not the surprise of a thief breaking That's not a good surprise to have a thief breaking down one of your doors, but we'll be expecting it. We don't know exactly what day, but we know it's coming. It will be the answer of our prayers that Jesus Christ will return to make everything right. And so the way that unbelievers and believers view the day of the Lord is diametrically opposite. It's very, very different. Believers are to be alert and sober concerning that day. Verse 5 and 6. You, speaking to believers, are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. And so the Bible speaks of believers as children of the light. We walk in the light just as Christ was in the light. We walk in his light each and every day. The image of God's word that it's presented here is that unbelievers are sleeping in darkness and they're going to be surprised at the day of the Lord coming, just like a thief breaking in. But believers, as people of the day, are to be alert, are to be watchful, and self controlled. We are to expect that Jesus could come at any moment. And yet, We are faithful to what God is calling us to do, even if that time of his coming is off in the future. It says we are to be alert and self-controlled. In the Greek, the word self-controlled is nepho, and it means to drink no wine or to be sober. In other words, our minds need to be clear. Our minds need to be sharp, not dulled by any drug or any drink, or any other influence, we need to be focused on God's mission for our lives and God's purpose for our lives. We are to be alert and sober or self-controlled. Believers will be protected on the day of the Lord, verse 7 and 8. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So as believers, we're to be alert and sober. This passage describes unbelievers as being the exact opposite of being alert and sober. They're described as being asleep and drunk, completely surprised. They're people of the night, creatures of the night. You know, what happens in the darkness? Bad things happen in the darkness. You don't want to be out late at night and East St. Louis, okay? There are places you just don't go. Bad things happen in the middle of the night. And they're going to be completely surprised at the coming of the Lord. And we as believers are to be alert. We're to be self-controlled. We're to be sober, living in the light of the day. We're to put on spiritual armor, it says. To put on a breastplate. The breastplate is a defensive piece of armor. A breastplate of faith and love. Our faith growing strong in God, having love for God and love for others. Our minds are to be protected with a helmet, the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. Now, the way we use the word hope today is not the way the Bible uses the word hope. We say, I hope it's not going to rain tomorrow. You know, it's a wishful thought. The way the Bible uses the word hope is completely different. Our hope of salvation is not, I hope I'm going to be saved. It's a calm assurance that it is going to happen. We don't know when our ultimate salvation is going to come, but we know it will will come on the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will not surprise believers. I was reading this week about a new product that was introduced last year. It's called Ticker, T-I-K-K-E-R. You can look it up on the internet if you're interested. Ticker is a new-fashioned wristwatch. And the wristwatch estimates your time of death based on life expectancies, okay? You program in different things, and it counts down the years, the months, the weeks, the days, the hours, the seconds, until it assumes you're going to pass on. And it's call, the inventor calls it the happiness watch. <laughs> its purpose is to help you better prioritize your time on Earth. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. I haven't run out and purchased one yet, but you can if you want. I'm not recommending it, it's just an illustration. But each of our lives is limited. We only have so much time. And today we have less time than we did yesterday. No matter how long you live, your time is slowly decreasing. And God wants us to use our time for him. The time we have on earth to live for him. Believers are to be alert and sober as we await the day of the Lord. As believers, we're either going to meet the Lord when we pass on or we're going to meet him when he comes. If he comes before, our time is over. And God wants us to use our time in serving Him. And so we should pray, we should ask the Lord each and every day, God, help me to be alert. Help me to be self-controlled in the time that You've given me to live my life on this earth. Help me not to waste this precious gift of life. Help me not to waste any days, any hours, any minutes, but use it for You. Help me to do everything in my life with my whole heart as serving You. Whether I'm going to work, whether I'm serving my family, whether I'm serving in my church, whether I'm reaching out to people who do not yet know Jesus yet, help me to do it with all my heart as for the Lord Jesus Christ. We look forward to the day of the Lord as believers because the day of the Lord is going to bring salvation. Verse 9, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the day of the Lord brings destruction. It actually brings the wrath of God upon unbelievers, people who've had a chance to submit their life to Jesus Christ but refused and said, no, I don't want the gift that you offer. God's wrath is going to be poured out on them on the day of the Lord. But for the believer, that day brings salvation through Jesus Christ. Now you might ask, well, aren't I saved right now? What's it talking about bringing salvation in the future on the day of the Lord? The Bible teaches that we are saved now, yet it also teaches that we work out our salvation. We have to live out our salvation and ultimately we'll receive the fullness of our salvation at the return of Jesus Christ. We don't have our salvation in its fullness. What's going to happen at the return of Christ? First of all, the fullness of our salvation will include the resurrection of our body. A body that's going to last forever, a body that has no pain, a body that's never going to die, a body that never sins, that's awaiting us in the future. The fullness of salvation will include seeing Jesus face to face, will include experience in heaven, the wonders of heaven, and inheriting our eternal life that we have the foretaste of that will never be lost. And so we look forward. We should look forward as believers to the day of the Lord. That day will simply continue our present life with Jesus. Verse 10 says, He, speaking of Jesus, died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Why did Jesus die for us? He died for us so that our sins might be forgiven. Because our sins separated us from God. Sin separates us from a relationship with God. We cannot have eternal life because of our sin. But Jesus died so our sins might be forgiven and that barrier of sin is removed so we can have a relationship with God and have eternal life so we can live together with Him. And so when a person is saved in this life, we actually begin this eternal life that's going to last forever with Jesus. In this verse, our time on earth that we live, that we are alive, is spoken of as us being awake. We're awake, we're living with God, we're walking with Jesus. And when we die or fall asleep, the Bible sometimes uses the term fall asleep for when people pass on or die. We will be absent from our bodies, but the Bible says to be absent from our our body is to be, for a believer, present with the Lord. And so there is no Nothing, when we die, we pass into the presence of God. Our relationship with Jesus Christ doesn't skip a beat, even though our hearts stop beating. We go immediately into the presence of the Lord. And so we still live together with Him. Whether we pass on before He returns or whether He returns on the day of the Lord, the Bible says that nothing can separate the believer from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We can remain in relationship with Him. So, how can we invest our lives in light of this day of the Lord that is coming? We are to encourage one another about that day. Verse 11, therefore, encourage one another. <clears throat> Underline those words, encourage one another, and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And so, here we have the conclusion of the passage. What are we to do concerning the day of the Lord? since we understand what's going to happen, since we look forward to Jesus' return, we should encourage other believers. Who needs to be encouraged? People who are discouraged. Probably everybody. Do you ever need to be encouraged? I do. We all need to be encouraged. We need to be encouragers of one another. When somebody's having a rough time, no matter what the cause is, they need encouragement. And the ultimate encouragement is that the day of the Lord is coming. Not every pain is going to be taken away in this life. Not every sorrow is going to be dealt with. Not every, even though God heals, not every sickness is going to be healed. But when Jesus returns, it will be. It will all be made right. It's a wonderful thing to look forward to no matter what we or somebody else is going through in this life. When that day comes, everyone will be healed. Everyone will receive resurrection bodies every Injustice will be made right and those that walk with God will be rewarded. It will be a day of rejoicing. Some people may be weak. Their faith may be growing weak in this life. They may be succumbing to temptation. They may be drifting away from God and they need to be built up. They need to be made stronger in their faith. They need to be reminded that Jesus is coming again. They need to get their life in order with him. They need to persevere in their faith until he comes again. And so we invest our own lives for the Lord, living alert, self-controlled lives, and we make a commitment to encourage others uh, so that they live that way as well. During the first Iraq war, there was an Air Force pilot named Robbie Robbins. And he flew a number of missions in the war. And after his 300th mission, he was given permission, rather surprisingly, to fly his plane with his crew back to home, back to the United States. And so he flew from Iraq back across the ocean to Massachusetts, they landed, and he and a few of his buddies drove all night to his home in western Pennsylvania buddies dropped him off in the driveway of his home and as he walked up the driveway he was surprised to see a banner on the garage which said welcome home dad it really surprised him because he hadn't called he hadn't told anyone that he was coming home he wanted to surprise his family and so he knocked on the door his wife opened the door and screamed when she saw him and his kids ran up and gave him a hug And he asked his wife, Susan, how did you know I was coming? And she replied, she said, well, I didn't. The war was over. I knew you'd come home. I knew you'd try to surprise us. And so we were ready every day. (laughs) We were ready every day. And isn't that how Jesus wants us to be ready for his coming? We need to be ready every day. We don't know when it's going to come, but we, don't, we do know it is coming. And we need to be, live our lives ready every day for Him to return, that He will be proud of us, that He can say, well done, good and faithful servant, when He comes for us. We are to live our lives in anticipation of the day of the Lord, anticipation of the return of Jesus. When you live your life every day, in light of Jesus' return, you're going to be making a sound heavenly investment that is going to last forever and Jesus will be pleased with. Today we need to ask the question, are you saved? Are you a believer? Are you looking forward to Jesus' return? Have you committed your life to Him? Has He forgiven your sins? The first step, is to repent and commit your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we do that, first of all, by admitting that we've sinned, that we've done wrong things. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God has a plan for each of us to live, and guess what? We've all messed the plan up. We've sinned. We've got off track. And the first step to beginning a relationship with God is to admit that. I admit it. I did it. I sinned. I've sinned. Secondly, believe that Jesus came to this earth, the very Son of God, lived a perfect life, was crucified, died on the cross, took our sins upon himself. He paid the price for our sins, which was eternal death. He paid the price by dying on the cross, rose from the dead three days later, and he now offers forgiveness to us. We believe that he died to forgive us and rose from the dead. And finally, we commit our lives to following Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, following everything he tells us to do, accepting his mission for our lives. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. You've never prayed a prayer like this, or perhaps you prayed it in the past a long time ago, and you know you've drifted away. You know you're really not following Jesus. And I encourage you to pray this prayer as a recommitment of your life to him today. Say something like this, Father, today... I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. Things that I knew were wrong, I I did. I have done. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following Him and His truth and His Word all the days of my life as my Savior and my Lord. And for those of us to our believers, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for teaching us more today about the day of the Lord when you return for us. Help us to eagerly look forward to that day with joy, not just a few times a year, but each and every day, looking forward to your return. There are many around us, God, who have no idea that you're coming again. They made no preparation. Help us, God, to tell them how they can get ready for your return, how they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Show us how to live our lives being alert, self-controlled, and sober, carrying out the mission that you have for us in this life. May we encourage and build up other believers, those that are discouraged, those that are stumbling, those that are going astray. Help us to invest our lives in things of eternal value. We thank you that our relationship with you is an eternal relationship that's going to last forever. Thank you for the privilege of walking through this life with our Creator. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.